The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome! To the Busted Open Podcast, this is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer, Bully Ray and I talk all about AEW and NXT. AEW, that main event between Eddie Kingston and John Moxley, how real it got. And then the main event with NXT, now finally, Kyle O'Reilly is going to have that shot at main event in a takeover against Finn Balor. Great match. We talk about it. Also, we still remember of one of the legends that we lost just 24 hours ago. That's right, Road Warrior Animal. Bully gives his thoughts as well right now on the Busted Open Podcast. God bless the Road Warriors. That's how I'm starting the show today. We're just talking to you before we went on the air, and I said, man, it feels so weird to sit here today and think that Hawk and Animal are both not with us, but screw it. We're putting the pedal to the metal. We're still continuing on. We're moving forward. Great job by you and Dreamer yesterday and the nation and everybody that called in. God bless the Road Warriors. God bless Hawk and Animal. I can't believe they're not with us anymore, but uh, we're going to do it the way they would have wanted us to do it. Bubba, don't you dare, brother. You keep moving with your show. You keep putting us over. We ain't jobbing out for anybody. They're probably in a six-man with Jesus today. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't see Jesus wanting to go against the Road Warriors, so he's probably, no. No. since Precious Paul Ellering is still with us, he's probably the Precious Paul Ellering up in heaven. And, you know, that's going to be a very formidable tag team to go up against if you no. go through the pearly gates. Uh, <laughs> un, unlike the people that are booking retribution, uh, Jesus <laughs> knows what he's doing with his pencil, and he's booking himself in six-mans with the Road Warriors. Yeah, he's, he's <laughs> definitely got the pencil. He's He's not typing anything. Also, too, I always uh, what would start Jesus this- sound like if he was booking himself in a six man? Like, what would Jesus's voice sound like, Dave? I don't think I, I don't think it's like the act of speech. I think it's like uh, you just know, like you just it's know. like he, he yeah, you just know. <laughs> it's it's like you know how you heard the stories of like Flair and Steamboat. They would just have to like you know, a, a glance or, you know, a nod at the head. And you knew it's the same thing with Jesus. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah, I, I think it's the same thing. I don't think he, I don't think he has to speak much. Also to bully. I always make the announcement at the beginning of each and every show that you're the greatest tag team wrestler of all time. You, you fight me on that, but that's what I truly believe. But I don't think there's any doubt of, the greatest tag team of all time and the greatest tag team of all time are the road warriors. Um, From the very first day I saw the road warriors as a fan to when I first entered the wrestling business 
to as I got more mature and quote unquote smarter in the wrestling business, the road warriors have been then now and forever the greatest tag team that ever lived. And people will ask, well, what makes them the greatest? Because I got to tell you, Dave, when it, do you think the road warriors could have, could have worked a style similar to the Hardys, the Dudley's edge and Christian? You think they could have did that? No, no. So how could they be the greatest? Well, they're the greatest because they were able to do stuff that really no other team could do. And that's draw main event money. The road warriors worked on top. The road warriors were the main event that drew the house. The road warriors put asses in seats And if you can draw money, that's what makes you the greatest tag team of all time. And no tag team on their own, on their own, drew money like the Road Warriors. Yes, if you put the rock and roll versus the midnight on the same card, that drew money. But you could just put in the main event the Road Warriors and that drew money. That's what makes them the greatest tag team of all time. I agree with you, Bully. And I've seen the Rock and Roll Express main event, but it was with the Midnight Express. I have seen, and we actually got a couple of calls on this yesterday, Bully, where I have seen at the Meadowlands uh, the Road Warriors main event, and it could have been the Koloffs. It could have been the Midnight Express. It could have been where I've seen like Baron Von Rashney and Jerry Lawler teaming up. Like it didn't matter. It was about the Road Warriors. And there's a reason why they call it the Road Warriors pop. By the way, that pop started when they were still a heel team. And the Road Warriors never changed. They didn't change. Like the Road Warriors as heels or the Road Warriors as baby faces, they were still the same Road Warriors. Like they didn't change their style. Also, you could throw into the mix this too, Bully. You talk about the, they main evented. They drew money. How about the fact that there's multiple teams that were clones of the Road Warriors. Demolition were clones of the Road Warriors. Powers of Pain were clones of the Road Warriors. Even now, recently, the Ascension were clones of the Road Warriors. I mean, I don't think you could say that about any other tag team in pro wrestling history. Uh, 1,000%. Totally agree. Um, To me, they are the be-all and end-it-all when it comes to money-drawing tag teams um, I, I, I don't, <clears throat> Dreamer gets really, really sad. Dreamer's a crier. Um, and it's one of the things like, I appreciate that about Tommy, but I also don't fully understand. But this morning when I, you know, I posted a picture this morning of, of a split face between Hawk and animal by some artist guy who does a really great job. And when I realized, my God, Hawk and Animal are dead. Like, I never would think I would be saying that, you know, right right now. Um, but it just reminds me of how anything can happen at any time in this human walk of life that we're doing. You never, ever, ever know. Don't take things for granted. That's why when I, I say, like, I think I got 20 good years left. <clears throat> like, I think that's realistic. And we were talking off the show about like your family history, my family history. Uh, you know, 
If I can make it to 70, right now I'm 49, and I've had one hell of a run so far. And I'm not talking about just with wrestling. I'm talking about with life. I've had a great life run. Man, if I could squeeze another 20 years of this out of it, adios, amigos, via con Dios, I'm happy. But you you just never know. So try to enjoy it. And listen, especially with the world we're living in today, got to do your best to find a way to enjoy yourself. Yeah, you have to. You have to have a release. You have to find the joy in the small things. And you mentioned like Tommy and, you know, Tommy gets emotional. I get emotional. Mark Henry gets emotional. Everybody deals. There's no like I'm not going to go to that old school way of thinking like, you know, you know, crying is a weakness. No, everybody deals with loss. Everybody deals with death in a completely different way. Like you just said, you didn't you didn't say like Tommy, I can't believe. No, it's you don't relate because you look at death in a completely different way than than other people do and vice versa. And there's nothing wrong with that um but it is i think one thing we could agree on when it comes to death you know if somebody like when bruno san martino passes away you're upset because there's no more bruno san martino but you but you also say wow that guy had a long and healthy life you know for most of his life he was at the peak physical condition even in his later years boy that's something that you you celebrate and you salute when you lose somebody that was just a week and a half away from 59 years old like that's a that's a tough loss to swallow and then also selfishly like you said bully there's no more road warriors like there's no more road warriors like I, I, and you know, this is the obsessive fan in me. I converted all my VHS tapes to DVD. So what I did with my two favorites, which was Ric Flair and the Road Wars, those were my two fit, my favorite tag team of all time with the Road Wars and my favorite wrestler of all time, Ric Flair. I made like volumes, like the best of the Road Wars, the best of Ric Flair and, 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 and that. And I was just watching those Road Warrior matches all yesterday, even when the show ended all the way up to AEW and NXT yesterday. And the Road Warriors are one of those few uh, wrestlers that I watched from the absolute beginning. Like I saw the Road Warriors be introduced. Like I had, I, I saw Road Warrior Animal on Georgia Championship Wrestling before he was Road Warrior Animal. He was just the Road Warriors before Hawk was even introduced on Georgia Championship Wrestling. So I was able to watch their career from day one to the day that it ended. And I can't believe that that, that both of those icons are gone. They're, they're no longer with us. You know, Road Warrior Animal was a staple at all these you know, wrestle cons and the big events and all these wrestling conventions, you're not going to see that anymore. It's like a real big piece of my pro wrestling fandom ended yesterday morning when I found out Road Warrior Animal was that. And even so, the way it played out, like I'm sitting at the breakfast table yesterday, bully, and I'm looking at Facebook and I'm not on Facebook much. I, I'm more of a Twitter person. I'm not on Facebook and my wife is asking me what's new on Facebook, and I'm I was friends with Animal and his wife on Facebook, and Road Warrior Animal's wife, you know, you know Laurenitis, obviously the man. Uh, his wife was posting pictures of their anniversary together, and I'm looking at those pictures, and 30 minutes later, I'm sitting in front of my laptop finding out that he died. Like, it's like, it's, it's hard to wrap your head around how, you know, 
within hours, the man is celebrating his anniversary and then he's dead. Like it's, it's hard to wrap your brain around something like that. Dave, I want to ask you a question on air. And, uh, this question has always, uh, perplexed me or vexed me or intrigued me. You see how you just said within 30 minutes, you're looking at pictures of a guy celebrating his anniversary and then 30 minutes later, he's dead. What would you do if death tapped you on the shoulder and said, you got five minutes left? Because at one point or another, we're all on our last five minutes. And I only use five minutes because it's one of those things where I'll call you back in five minutes. I'll see you in five minutes. Just give me yeah. five minutes. Five minutes is like a, like a normal you know, time frame. What would you do, man? And that's how you have to live your life. Live your life like you got five minutes left. Tell the people that you need to tell how you feel about them. And listen, if you don't like somebody, tell them that too so you can get that off your chest. But tell your loved ones how you feel about them. If you want to go out roller skating, go out roller skating because you don't know if you got five minutes left. If you want to go fishing, go fishing. Go do whatever brings joy and happiness to your life because you never know when you're on your last five minutes. Listen, you could shit the bed. To, sometimes when you do your power rankings, I feel like I'm on my last five minutes. Yeah, and imagine if, imagine if I passed on during the commercial break after my power. That's how I'm going to be remembered, you know? By, uh, you know but, but seriously, it's, it's a good way to think. And listen, we, we could say that till we're blue in the face, bully, but, you know, life finds a way of getting in the way. And you could say, oh, yeah, live life like it's your last five minutes. And then life gets in the way. These simple problems that come up. And maybe that's what life's all about. Maybe that's the distraction of it all, bully. Like maybe if we had the time to think about our own mortality or, or what's next or what, what what's going to happen if I'm not around. Maybe it's these everyday distractions that, that keep you going, you know, and it seems to be more and more and deeper and deeper. But, you know, it. It's just, just yesterday, it was, to put it back into the terms of our world, Bully, it was very, very, very difficult for me to watch AEW and NXT last night. Like, I, I, I didn't, I really didn't feel like watching those shows last night. Like, after, you know, the Road Warriors have meant so much to my fandom, and I was watching, like, all these Road Warrior matches all day. The last thing I really wanted to do, to be honest, I'm being completely honest here, was to watch AEW and NXT because... I, I, it's almost like I needed to take a time out. You know what I'm saying? It's like, man, we just had devastating news here. Like this early this morning, we lost one of the greatest of all time. You know, part of the greatest tag team of all time. And then on the show yesterday, Bully, me as a fan talking about the Road Warriors and Tommy as a friend of you know, uh, of Joe Lauren Ice, like talking about his friend. It was hard to get motivated last night to watch AEW. And I watched it, but it was with a heavy heart that I watched AEW and NXT last night. I'm going to take it one step further. I felt the same way about, about wrestling last night as you did. I knew we still had to watch. I wanted to be entertained. I wanted to see who on each show would go out of their way to pay tribute to to animal 
And I started off with AEW and watching a tag match. Obviously, Animal and Hawk were tag team wrestlers. So here I am watching a tag team match on the night of Animal's death. And after that tag team match, I was in a really, really bad mood. Hey, everybody, this is Fran Frischella, host of the podcast World of Basketball. The game of basketball has truly become a global game. Markovic buys it in to make it. Somehow it goes in. Each week, I talk with the players, coaches, and executives who have led the way in growing the game of basketball around the world. Real Madrid have stolen victory from the jaws of defeat. Episodes are available every Thursday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. I'll say this about Eddie Kingston. He knows how to get you fired up, bully. And I thought he did that with his promo last night on John Moxley. Uh, a tale of two Eddie Kingston's last night in my eyes. Obviously on the microphone, Eddie's very, very good. Yes. One of the best uh, that we have in the wrestling business today, just because every last word that comes out of his mouth is believable. I believe everything that Eddie Kingston is saying. Why? Because 99.9% of it is the truth. That's what makes Eddie so good. Not a lot of people are as believable as Eddie. MJF does a great job. Taz does a great job. I'd, I'd, go far, I'd go as far to say that Eddie Kingston is more believable than people like Jericho and Cody. Dave, hundred percent real. I mean, there's so because with Cody and with Jericho, there's personality, there's character. Like when you hear from Eddie Kingston, it's like Eddie. What Eddie Kingston is saying in that ring would be the same thing Eddie Kingston would be saying if he was a guest on Busted Open. Absolutely, speaking from the heart at all times with absolutely no filter. Just go out there and let it rip, and whatever happens, happens. So can't say enough good things about Eddie on the microphone. In the ring, I think Eddie needs, I think Eddie's a victim of rust. I think Eddie, just like a lot of people are, I think Eddie is a victim of uh, needing to get some more matches under his belt. I think Eddie has also had some injuries over the years that has made his movement in the ring choppy. I think he might have had an ankle or a knee thing where his ability to move the way he wants to move is just not there. I did enjoy the exchanges with him and Moxley, the Japanese-style chop fest and the physicality. And let me tell you something. Kingston was laying his shit in. Moxley felt it last night. Moxley felt it last night like he probably hasn't felt it in a while. I'm not saying other guys don't bring it, but Eddie was there with those Stiff, all Japan, Japanese style, knife edge chops. You read it in Moxley's face. Like, I don't know if it was because it really felt that way or or just Moxley did a great job selling. You would know better than me, Bully. But like the expression on Moxley's face is if you took your hand, Bully, and slapped me in the chest. Like that that look of like of awe and, and pain. It's hard to explain, but I saw it in Moxley's face last night after those chops from Eddie Kingston. 
You know why Moxley sold Eddie Kingston's chops so well? Because he actually felt it. Because <laughs> they were real. Let me tell you something. When you get into that chop fest kind of thing, when you got when guys are laying chops into each other, okay, so you know the chop is coming. And when you get chopped in the chest, like it's not like getting punched in the nose or kicked in the balls or or you know having your ear palmed. The chest is a very meaty part of the body that's meant to absorb a lot of pain and a lot of you know uh, um, just impact in a wrestling ring. You know that chop is coming. You're ready for that chop. Boom, you take that first chop. Oh, yeah, that was a good one. Boom, you take that second chop. Wow, this guy can really lay it in. Boom, you take that third one. Son of a bitch. These things hurt. And they do. And you, I watch Moxley, I, I watch Moxley sell us. And I'm laughing at myself. I was like, yep. He's being forced to sell where it's registering just enough where Moxley's, you could tell he's not like pro wrestling selling. He's really selling. And, and like Kingston on the, like, so Moxley selling the pain, what Kingston did was completely different. It's almost like he, he would go back, he would turn around like he was catching it, like he just got the wind knocked out of him. So, like, you see Moxley taking the chop and selling the pain where Kingston was like, man, this guy just knocked the breath. And he's, like, trying to catch his breath. And it was great because something that a lot of times you don't see with chops is the follow-up. Like, as soon as that chop where, where Kingston was trying to catch his breath, Moxley came in with, the, came in with a punch. Then it wasn't about the chops anymore. I, I, you talk about all Japan. You, they really did a great job with those exchanges last night. Really, they, they did. A, I thought Kingston and Moxley did a phenomenal job with that exchange last night. The great thing about the exchange was the registering and selling before, during, and after the chop. It's just a chop. It's been taken for granted in the wrestling business for so long, but it doesn't have to be because it's an offensive maneuver that actually inflicts pain. And what Eddie and Moxley did before the chop, during the chop, and after the chop is what made each individual chop mean something. How many times do we see wrestlers today Chop, 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 chop. Nobody's moving. Nobody's flinching. Nobody's registering pain. Nobody's selling pain. Nobody's doing anything but standing there and getting themselves over because look at how many chops I can take and look at how hard I can chop back. Yeah, well, nobody's winning because all you're doing is telling me that your chops mean absolutely nothing. Last night, Everybody's chop, meaning Moxley and Kingston, meant something. Because as soon as each would throw their offensive chop, they would go back to selling the chop that they had just taken. That's how you make sense of stuff. It's just a chop. They made sense of it. They made me believe that their chops were better, hurt more, were more offensive than anybody else's chops that night. And anything that you do in a wrestling ring should be looked at like that chop. 
Watch the greats when it comes to the in-between. Bret Hart, Chris Benoit. You will never see wasted movement. Everything means something. Just like in a boxing match, if a guy gets caught with a jab, he'll register it. It's just a jab, though. Yeah, but it caught him just enough for him to show you that he was in pain. That's what wrestling is. From the minute the bell rings to the minute the bell rings, to start and finish, everything in that match should be registered and sold accordingly, especially registered. That's one of the things that's being thrown out the window in the wrestling business. Registering the acknowledgement that something just happened to you. You don't necessarily have to sell it But you have to acknowledge it. Dave, if I smacked you in the face, right? You might not sell it, but you're sure as hell going to register it. Like, you're going to grab your cheek and you're going to be like, holy crap. What the hell was that, bully? Why'd you do that? You're not going to drop to the floor. Actually, yeah, with you, you probably. No, I would would probably get knocked out. (laughs) (laughs) My point is that registering, the acknowledgement that something just happened, it's thrown out the door. It's taken for granted in wrestling because people are so, I got to look strong. I got to look strong. Last night in that girls tag match, everybody had to look strong. How about you all look strong by all looking vulnerable together? Well, here's the thing. And this is, I think, the difference between uh, one contest and a main event contest. Because if you look at NXT last night and you look at AEW last night, all those elements that you're talking about, you saw. And I think that's why you're seeing it in the main event and not somewhere else down on the card. Listen, Eddie Kingston, I don't think there was anybody that went into that match last night thinking that Eddie Kingston was going to win. I sure didn't. I mean, you didn't think John Moxley was going to lose last night. But I got to tell you, John Moxley, even in that win, look at his face when his arm is being raised by the referee. He's in pain. He looked like he just went through a war. So even though Eddie Kingston lost him, and listen, there was one time, too, a great job by the commentators. This is why you're dealing with, like, a Tony Schiavone and a JR who's the greatest of all time. Eddie Kingston went for a cover where, you know what? He might have gotten the pin. John Moxley kicked out at two. Why? Because Eddie Kingston had his hand. His hand was hurt. He wasn't able to hook the leg properly. And John Moxley was able to kick out at two. And the commentators did a great job of saying, man, if he was able to hook the leg, if he didn't have that hurt hand and was able to hook the leg, we might see Eddie Kingston win that match. That's what the commentators are supposed to do. Doesn't make John Moxley look weak. It makes Eddie Kingston look strong. John Moxley's still your champion. John Moxley won the match, but Eddie Kingston was not hurt at all by losing to John Moxley last night. You know what Eddie Kingston looked like last night? He looked like somebody that belongs in the main event in a championship match on a nationally televised show. Great job in that main event by both. No shame in losing to Mox last night. No. Kingston was a warrior. Even with his, even as limited as he is with his movement at times in the ring, still a warrior. Relied on his best shots. Did what he could. 
guys like, I'll, take, I'll take I'll take guys like Eddie every day of the week and twice on Sundays. Because even if they even if they are a little bit limited for whatever reason, the things that they do well, they're gonna stick with. And they are going to make mean something. Mike Tyson was not a good boxer. Mike Tyson, like, like Mike Tyson was no Floyd Mayweather, that's for sure. No. Okay? No. Mike Tyson was a great fighter who had one or two good things, but that's all he needed. Same thing with Eddie. I, I tell my wrestling students, Team 3D Academy, Danbury, Connecticut. Taking new students right now, by the way. Um, I don't care if you only do three things well. Stick to those three things and do them well every single time you do them and make them mean something. Hey, everyone. This is former NFL linebacker and current SiriusXM NFL radio host, Kirk Morrison. And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, Total Coverage. Each week, I'll be joined by some of the greatest minds in the game as we explore the hows and the whys behind the week's biggest results. Whether we're breaking down player techniques, game plans, or coaching philosophies, we'll explain the details that define our favorite performances. New episodes will be available every Tuesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. And after that main event from NXT last night, and listen, Bully, I got to admit, uh, going into last night, I told you I was kind of down with everything that happened with the Road Warriors, but even more so with NXT because everything that happened on Monday with Retribution. You know, seeing four NXT wrestlers in the ring and being just like, you know, uh, Slapdick and T-Bone and all that stuff. Like, you know, T-Bag, T-Bag, T-Bag. I'm sorry, T-Bag. It's just like, man, you get invested in the, into these NXT personalities and then just at the drop of a dime, there can be a completely different gimmick that your hope is going in the right direction. But man, to get me pulled back in, I needed that main event. And what a main event in that gauntlet match last night. And I actually tweeted out that I wanted to see Kyle O'Reilly win. I've been a big Kyle O'Reilly fan for years. And he's kind of been in the background. You know, as part of Undisputed Era, there's the clear leader in Adam Cole. I loved Kyle O'Reilly with his stint in New Japan. I loved Kyle O'Reilly with Ring of Honor. I love the feud that Kyle O'Reilly had with Adam Cole in Ring of Honor. I love the story that he had leading up to him winning the Ring of Honor championship. And now, and listen, some reasons why is because we're seeing people getting pulled out of NXT. Kyle O'Reilly now has that main event opportunity with Finn Balor at TakeOver 31. I'm invested, I'm into it, and I'm expecting a huge match between Finn and Kyle O'Reilly. And I think the right person won last night. Last week, we talked about the Undisputed Era. I said my concerns for O'Reilly, Fish, and who's the other guy? Roderick Strong. And Roderick, where they weren't going to be able to step out of the shadow that was looming over them. And that shadow is Adam Cole. Do you have higher hopes for Kyle O'Reilly after last night? Yes. Why? Because he went up against some of the biggest names in NXT last night to get the opportunity, and he won. And now, 
you buy him in being into a main event at a takeover. Uh, mission accomplished. If you want to get somebody over, you do what they did last night, and it worked in a big way, Bully. Do you think – we know he went over last night. Do you think they got him over last night? I do. Good. I think they yep. did. And I'm looking forward to that match with Finn Balor. Hey, everyone. This is Lisa Ann, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, The Lisa Ann Experience. This is my chance to share with you my experiences, past and present, including how I went from living in the fantasy world of adult films to talking fantasy sports on SiriusXM. Each week, I'll introduce you to some of the people I've met on my journey and invite friends on to help me read through the endless ridiculousness that lands in my inbox. New episodes are available every Wednesday on the SiriusXM app and Apple Podcasts. I remember seeing, and again, this isn't a pay-per-view, it was just a, a local event, but Star Wars 85 where Road Warriors were on the card. And this is what a lot of fans don't understand. Like on that show, there's only two people who got, or three people if, if you count the Road Warriors as two, is... Ric Flair and the Road Warriors were the only ones that had music with their entrances. You know, at the time of the Road Warriors and Iron Man, you know, not every wrestler got an entrance. I mean, most wrestlers, 90% of the wrestlers didn't have music for their entrance. Road Warriors did. It made it special. That's why a lot of people will tell you that uh, if it's not one of, it's the best entrance of all time is the Road Warriors with that music, with Iron Man. I mean, you couldn't think of a better uh, song to describe the Road Warriors than Iron Man. Think about it. It's, it's, it's iconic. I mean, we can, we can talk about best entrance music for days, and it might, it might be my number one. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 in the argument. If not number one, it's in the argument of being number one. Actually, Dave, I believe that when I uh, when I did my guest spot on uh, Ozzy's Boneyard, they asked me to do my top ten wrestling entrance themes that were actual songs, and I'm almost positive Iron Man was my number one. Want to get back on the old boneyard? Me and you need to go guest over there. I, I would love to, and it, and you know what? For actual songs, I will say that Iron Man, without a doubt. If if it's if it's a created song, it would probably be I'm wearing the shirt today, Bad Street USA for the Freebirds. But yeah, of an actual original song, it would be Iron Man, The Road Warriors, no doubt. Iron Man over Enter Sandman. Yes. Okay, fair enough. Now, that being said, the greatest entrance of all time is Sandman's entrance at Hammerstein. I mean, there's, there, it, it doesn't get any better than that. No, it's probably the greatest single entrance ever. And yeah. one that's one that we don't talk. I've, I've talked about a couple times. If you've never seen it, check it out on YouTube. Atsushi Onita's entrance uh, in New Japan in the Tokyo Dome coming out to Wild Thing. It's insane. Now... Uh, Sandman's entrance with Enter Sandman at the Hammerstein, you can't find it on YouTube. You you have to really search to find it because the WWE owns it now and they they use generic music, you know, on the network. Uh, you have every single person at Hammerstein on their feet singing along to Enter Sandman. It is the single greatest entrance of all time, in my opinion.
And there's enough versions of, I, I bet you somebody will post the real version uh, right now to social media for us. Cause there's enough, I've seen it enough on Twitter to know that it's easy to get the Halloween havoc entrance, Halloween havoc 89 by the road warriors, a good, a good copy of it. And not somebody just playing their VHS tape and taping it with their phone. Uh, I, I haven't come across lately, so hopefully somebody can find it and post it. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the Road Warriors last night, both AEW and NXT acknowledged the Road Warriors. They had the graphic of Road Warrior Animal uh, to start both shows. Uh, unless I missed it, uh, NXT really didn't get that deep into it. AEW, um, you had Thunder Rosa come out with, she had the half makeup on. She had uh, Road Warrior Animals makeup. I thought that was really, really cool. Great visual and a great tribute. And uh, Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone talked about Road Warrior Animal. And to have Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone Talking about Road Warrior Animal to me was very, very special because, I mean, countless times Jim Ross and Tony Giovanni interviewed the Road Warriors on World Championship Wrestling. So it was great. It was great having Jim Ross in joining uh, of the conversation uh, yesterday as well. I would think that SmackDown tomorrow night will have a, 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 a great epic, as they usually do, uh, video uh, montage and tribute to Road Warrior Animal tomorrow tomorrow night on SmackDown as he deserves. And I, and I, I, I know animal just recently, obviously yesterday passed away. I hope they do the tribute uh, for animal and include a lot of, I, I want to see a tribute for the road warriors in general. Cause I think they both deserve it. You can't have animal without Hawk and Hawk without animal. Um, it's the re you know, Dave, it's the reason why me and Devon were so adamant to Vince McMahon about splitting up. When Vince split me and Devon up in the draft, we were like, why? He's like, because I want to shake this up, and nobody would ever believe that you guys would ever split up. And I said to Vince, I said, Vince, I don't think it's a good idea. And if you're going to disagree with Vince, you got to do it one-on-one. -on -one. He'll respect you if it's one-on-one. -on -one. You can't do it like in a big room and call him. I said, Vince, I just think it's a, you know, it's a bad idea. And he goes, why? I said, with all due respect to the road warriors, nobody ever wanted to see a hawk and animal by them, wrestle by themselves. I said, I'm not putting me and Devon in, you know, in the same league as hawk and animal because they were the greatest. I said, but I don't think anybody wants to see me and Devon on our own. And that was at that time within the WWE. And he said, you know what? That's a really good point, but I'm still going to do it. I'm still going to, I'm going to take a chance on it. And it didn't work. And you know what? Whenever you saw Hawk or Animal wrestle by themselves, we've seen Hawk enough times challenge Flair, right? Oh, amazing matches. Amazing matches. But in your heart, did you ever think Hawk was going to become the world heavyweight champion? No. You knew he was going right, to get right back with Animal again, and there would be it, the Road Wars would be the Road Wars. They did that to sell tickets because they knew, shit, Flair against Hawk in singles matches is going to sell out stadiums, which it did on the Great American Bash Tour. But you, want, you didn't want the Road Warriors to break up for that to happen. They were uh, a unit. They were synonymous, a true tag team. I got to tell you, I would have loved to have seen, maybe I missed it last night somewhere along the way. I don't know if I did. If I did, forgive me. I would have loved to have seen in maybe the opening tag match of AEW or maybe the women's match later on. I would have loved to seen somebody hit the doomsday device last night and win a match with it. Um, when, when, when Hawk passed away, it was very important for me and Devon to pay him respect and tribute on Monday Night Raw. And we won our match that night with the Doomsday Device, not the 3D, because that's the respect that Hawk deserved and Animal deserved the same.
I wasn't even looking for the doomsday device. I actually thought this bully. This is what I actually thought, not bullshitting. When they started AEW with that tag match and it involved Miro, I thought we were going to see like an old school Road Warriors where Miro would come in and just beat the shit out of everybody and win the match. I, I honestly thought, and no disrespect again to Sonny Kiss or Joey Janela, but I really thought like we were going to see like an old school, like just like Miro go in and just pound the shit out of those two and win in quick fashion. That's what I actually thought we were going to see last night. Uh, I, I- I understand what you're saying. That would have kind of been a hard fit last night. It, it wouldn't have really made sense. Like if FTR was wrestling a different team or something like that, I would have. It would have been a little bit more palatable. But I get your point. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 